Coming up this evening on NTD Business. Is insider trading happening within Congress? The House holds a hearing to address the phenomenon, but what do experts say? Investors are buying more U.S. farmland in search of a hedge against inflation as global food prices hit record highs. China could be backing off on its socialist agenda of common prosperity after the policy hurt the economy. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Paul Graney here live from New York City. Warren Buffett is going shopping again. His Berkshire Hathaway just disclosed about about $4.2 billion worth of HP stock that makes Berkshire HP's largest shareholder with about an 11% stake. HP shares immediately jumped 14% during pre-market trading. Buffett was basically inactive during the early days of the pandemic, but he's recently been making pretty big deals. He bought an insurance company called Allegheny for $11.6 billion back in March. Then he doubled down an oil company, Occidental Petroleum, from around a 9% stake to a 15% stake. So he's betting on fossil fuels, despite all the bad press. It's not just Warren Buffett's stocks that are in the spotlight. Members of Congress are also having their stock picks scrutinized for insider trading. Here's NTD's Chenny Wu with more on today's congressional hearing. Without the public's trust and confidence, government loses its legitimacy. The Committee on House Administration held a hearing called Examining Stock Trading Reforms for Congress. The key point of the hearing was the Stock Act, also known as the Stop Trading on Congressional Knowledge Act, which was signed into law by President Obama back in 2012. The law gave members of Congress stricter reporting requirements regarding their stock trades and made clear they couldn't do insider trading. An avalanche of eye-opening press coverage has demonstrated a congressional stock trading problem that ranges from seemingly benign missed public disclosure deadlines to criminal insider trading. Liz Hempowitz, a director at the Project on Government Oversight, says this issue has drawn unique public attention. A strong majority of voters from both major political parties support a congressional stock ban. A Fox News poll recently found 70% of those surveyed favored banning members of Congress and their immediate family and staff from trading stocks. Hempowitz says members of Congress have access to non-public information, as well as the ability to move markets. She says reforms should prevent insider trading and cover family members. One reason for this litany of questionable conduct is the weakness of our current legal regime. Donald Sherman, the chief counsel of Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, says there's been a failure to police this kind of behavior. Exposing Stock Act violations has proven difficult, in part because periodic transaction reports and financial disclosures um, are hard to access. Congressional research specialist Jacob Strauss says there are many proposals in the works. These legislative proposals include a range of options to limit or prohibit certain financial activities. Chenny Wu, NTD News. And over to possible insider trading in China. A new study shows Chinese executives avoided at least $10 billion in losses by selling stocks at just the right time. The study is by scholars from the University of Pennsylvania and NYU. It noticed that the stocks were sold right before significant price drops on the U.S. stock exchange. Here's an example. An entity controlled by Chinese tech giant Alibaba sold $150 million of Alibaba stock in 2020, just one day before Ant Group's IPO was suspended in the United States. 
Alibaba's shares fell 8% on the news, so it turned out it was a pretty good time to sell just before the suspension. The news was first reported by the Financial Times. Spokeswoman for Alibaba responded to the claims, though, and said the suggestion of insider trading is, quote, highly inappropriate, and that stock trading plan was made far in advance. China could also be backing off in one of its most ambitious policies. It's called common prosperity. Beijing said the plan was to tackle income inequality. So why the change of heart? Denise Don Ma has more. Is Xi Jinping walking back a key Chinese policy? The phrase common prosperity was everywhere in China in 2021. It appeared in state media, schools and speeches by Xi. But this year, mentions of it seemed to wane. It turned up just once in a 17,000-word report by the CCP premier. So has Beijing given up on its common prosperity policy? Political scientist and economic analyst Ethan Yang says she won't walk back on the policy. Well, Xi Jinping is up for re-election in November. And so I think that's that's one of the big things on his mind, is that he cannot go into the election stage admitting that he's failed on probably one of the most ambitious economic policies he's ever announced. And perhaps he can take his foot off the gas pedal a little bit. So what is common prosperity? In a nutshell, it's Xi Jinping's way of tackling income inequality. It's a tool for him to reorganize China's economy. A real-world example of common prosperity is the massive regulatory fines on big Chinese tech companies, Alibaba, for example. So why is Xi Jinping taking his foot off the gas pedal on common prosperity? So I think they're backing off primarily because investors are losing confidence. What happened was the Chinese stock market tanked tremendously right after that. Uh, because of these huge regulatory fines, but also because investors saw that and they saw that the Chinese regulatory environment is going to become more politicized and less coherent uh, based on standard economic theories. So I think the Chinese government knows that. They understand that that's a problem. What was the reason for the regulatory crackdown? Yang says it was part of the common prosperity policy that sought to help boost small businesses in China. Um, that allows smaller companies to to rise up and create more diversity in the economy, more competition. It doesn't work because a government doesn't really know what companies are going to be successful, what companies are not going to be successful. And so basically, it's just someone's opinion uh, rather than the economic reality. According to Yang, common prosperity has similarities to central planning policies, which failed in the 20th century. Don Ma, NTD News. And on to Wall Street. Stocks ended higher today, with the S&P leading the major indexes. Rose 19 points, four-tenths of a percent. The Dow added 87 points, one-quarter of a percent. NASDAQ pretty much flat, up eight points for the day. And Congress today voted to impose further economic pain on Russia over its invasion of Ukraine. The measures passed both chambers with overwhelming support. One measure removes Russia's most favored nation trade status. That will allow the U.S. to raise tariffs and imports from Russia, as well as Belarus, which has been a close ally of Moscow. Another one is to ban Russian oil imports. Although the president had already signed an executive order banning Russian energy imports, he is expected to sign the new measures into law. And a first look at the financial impact of big oil exiting Russia. Shell today said it's set to lose as much as $5 billion with its decision to leave Russia. It says the write-off includes the loss of value in long-term investments. It's just not going to be able to recover and payments it won't receive, among other things. Shell has said it'll leave all its Russian operations, including a major liquefied natural gas plant in the country. 
did say this won't affect adjusted earnings, which is set to report early next month. The soaring oil and gas prices probably help with that. Oil prices have risen to an average of more than $100 a barrel in the quarter, the highest is 2014. European gas prices also hit a record high. Shell shares were down just 2% in early trading and is slightly up at the close. A renowned investor, Jeremy Grantham, has just issued a recession warning. It's partly because of oil prices. He says oil price spikes have historically always preceded the tri- or triggered a recession. Brent crude stood at around $63 a barrel a year ago. Today is trading about 101 And top oil traders warn the growing international boycott of Russia, a major oil producer, along with the lack of alternative supply, could push prices beyond $200 a barrel. But it's not just the oil price spike that's ringing recession alarm bells. Grantham says rising commodity prices more broadly, especially food, threaten to destabilize economies, even political systems. Analysts say rising food prices played a big role in the popular uprisings in the Middle East a decade or so ago. Now food prices have surged to record highs. Experts say the Russia-Ukraine war threatens to push them even higher. And millennials are pouring into the housing market. They now make up a much larger share among home buyers, according to a new report from the National Association of Realtors. The NAR says that last year, millennial buyers' share increased from 37 to 43 percent. They're also the generation that's most likely to use the Internet to find the home they eventually buy, think Zillow. Millennials are now the largest population group in the U.S., with Census Bureau figures showing they number around 73 million, or about 22 percent of the population. Go millennials. And investors are buying more U.S. farmland in search of a hedge against inflation. As the Russian invasion of Ukraine is driving world food prices to record highs, Sean Marshall has the details. Rising inflation is pushing investors toward buying farmland. Between 1992 and 2021, farmland outperformed stocks, bonds, gold, and more common types of real estate. I spoke with Keith Weinhold, real estate expert and founder of Get Rich Education, about the advantages of farmland investing. It's not the type of asset class where one influencer tweet can make the price drop 10%. So it is sustainable long term because at the end of the day, we all need to eat. It also historically has low volatility and follows the ups and downs of commodity prices, which also raise the price of farmland. More costly goods can be bad for farmers and consumers, but good for investors. Weinhold said wheat is a nice niche investment if you think the war in Ukraine will continue to drive up prices. He also spoke about incentives. There are government incentives there all over the place, loans and a lot of other things to support farmland investing because that's food security for the nation. Farmland investing used to be available only to the rich and big institutions. Now there's crowdfunding or co-op farming where a percentage of the land and profits are shared with other investors. And the stock market has farmland roots and agriculture commodity ETF. I also spoke with Robert Helms, host of the Real Estate Guys, about farmland. Way back when, I bought bought a bunch of uh, land that had oranges on it, and they were managed, grown, taken care of, picked and sold by a manager. And even though I owned the land and it was a hard asset, I didn't have to do any of the work. 
Helms mentioned other investments for higher net worth individuals like private placement memorandums that can be used to diversify across different regions and types of crops. There can be a number of difficulties to farmland investing. Helms spoke about changes in management and timelines for harvesting different types of crops. So I have to look at distribution. Something like cacao or coffee beans has a longer shelf life. Something like teak only gets harvested every 25 to 60 years. So that's why the timeline is also important. Just contacting your local realtor can be a profitable way to invest in farmland if you want to keep things simple with the old-fashioned buy low, sell high. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Wonder where we can get some Helms oranges. And the top financial goal this year for nearly 18% of Americans is to either invest more or save more for retirement, according to a new bank rate survey. But how to invest for retirement remains a question for many. Anthony's Andrew Thomas is the story. According to bank rate analyst James Royal, one of the most popular ways to invest is through a 401k, which is an employer-sponsored retirement plan. That money is seamlessly withdrawn from your paycheck and invested into uh, uh, stocks or stock funds or bonds or bonds funds that you've previously selected. So it's done automatically. And so uh, workers don't even have to think about that. That money is being invested for them automatically. Uh, and that's a tremendously attractive way to do it. Another popular option is an individual retirement account, or IRA, and any American with earned income can get one. The IRA offers uh, a lot of benefits, including the ability to invest in almost anything that's publicly traded. So you could invest in stocks, stock funds, um, and, and the whole range of what's out there with an IRA. And so that gives you a lot of tax advantages, too. One of the main considerations in deciding between a 401k and an IRA is whether an employer offers an employer match. Some employers will give you money just for contributing to your 401k. And that's a really attractive proposition. In many cases, you might make a 50% or 100% return immediately just by contributing. There are different types of IRAs, such as a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. So how do you know which one is right for you? Royal says investors should determine if they want a tax break today or down the road. So the big advantage for a traditional IRA is that you get a tax break today. Any money going into the account uh, is without tax. Uh, only when you pull that money back out of the account in retirement do you pay tax on that at ordinary income tax rates. On the other hand, the Roth IRA allows individuals to withdraw funds without tax after their investment has grown over time. The financial experts I've spoken to routinely say the Roth IRA is the best account going, in part because of that tax advantage on the back end, the fact that you will never pay taxes again on that money. So it can compound for decades. According to Royal, investors need to maintain a long-term focus, even amid market volatility. Some of the stock market's worst days are followed by its best. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And still to come, stay with us. Tesla is celebrating the grand opening of its new car factory in Texas with an event called the Cyber Rodeo. And experts say now is a great time to improve your credit score because of major changes coming this summer. We have tips, that and more coming up on NTD Business.
Welcome back. Chicago issued more speeding tickets in 2021 than there are city residents. It's according to the Illinois Policy Institute. The revenue generated from the speeding tickets more than doubled in 2021. The increase in revenue came after Mayor Lori Lightfoot lowered speeding thresholds for ticketing in March 2021. She said it was for safety reasons, but traffic fatalities haven't gone down. Instead, they increased by 54% compared to 2019. Critics say that speeding tickets are more of a money grab than a safety measure. The Illinois Policy Institute questioned if the speeding cameras should be called, quote, cash caps. We reached out to the mayor's office for comment, but haven't heard back yet. And Tesla is opening its new $1 billion car factory in Austin, Texas today. It'll help ramp up production of electric vehicles and batteries, critical to the company's growth ambitions. Combined with this new Berlin factory, the Austin factory, is expected to double the company's annual production capacity to 2 million vehicles. It's celebrating the opening in true Texas fashion with a cyber rodeo party. It'll include interactive tours along with food and various live entertainment. Tesla is expected to produce lower-range, lower-priced versions of its Model Y at the Texas factory to fend off growing competition from rivals. And many legacy auto parts suppliers are considering selling their businesses or buying EV parts makers, but some companies are looking to supply higher-value components. Introduce Andrew Thomas is more. The shift to electric cars may pose an existential threat to suppliers of internal combustion engines, but for auto parts firms such as TE Connectivity, the challenge is keeping up with demand. That's why TE spent $125 million to open a new building in 2020 dedicated to electric vehicle parts. The whole auto industry is challenged with this transformation, as well us, because our parts are getting bigger and more complex and we have to deliver them going forward also in high volumes because EV are picking up really fast. So therefore we have to adapt to this in our manufacturing processes. TE and rivals in the connector or sensor businesses such as Sensata Technologies, Amphenol Corp and Molex are looking to supply higher value components and do more development work with car makers going through a massive transition. Electromobility is all about electrical power and high voltage. And we are producing as a technology leader in connectivity and uh, sensor solutions, exactly products to be able to carry this power from A to B in the car and this safe and most reliable. Auto parts account for over 40% of TE's $15 billion in revenue, making it one of the biggest car suppliers most people have never heard of. Its $43 billion market value is far bigger than Nissan and Renault combined, and more than three times bigger than heavyweight supplier Continental. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And here's some news you can use. Google just rolled out a new feature that makes it easier for users to search for things that are kind of hard to describe. Today, the company unveiled a new search option that allows you to combine text and images in a single question. For example, you can take a picture of a couch, upload it along with the word chair, and you'll be able to find ones that look kind of similar. Google Executive says the multi-search feature is experimental for now. It's available for American users with the Lens feature on Google's mobile app. This point is expected to be used for mainly shopping-related searches. And three of the largest credit reporting agencies in the U.S. recently announced they're dropping medical debt collections. 
This, along with the Fed raising interest rates, mean experts are saying now is the perfect time to work on your credit score to secure lower interest rates when it comes to loans, credit cards, and mortgages. Today's Consumer Watch, three things one ex- expert recommends you should do right now to improve your score. Where's your credit score at? It could rise in a few months after credit reporting agencies Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion announced starting July 1st, they'll remove nearly 70% of medical debt that went to collections from consumer credit reports once it's been paid off. And typically that would still be a derogatory account, but even settled uh, medical debts are going to be removed from credit reports. Experts say when debt is placed on your credit report, it could make it harder to get access to credit or loans. And with the Fed increasing interest rates, it could pay off to look for other ways to raise your credit score in order to keep borrowing costs down. David Mahalik from Credit Bergio has three tips to help you improve your credit score this year. Number one, pay down credit card debt. It's the second largest section of our credit score. If you have high credit card balances, if you start leveraging credit card debt a little too high, it's not at all uncommon to see scores drop 40, 50, 80 points or even more. Number two, Get added as an authorized user on a credit card from a family member or friend. That way, their great credit history will show up on your credit report and potentially raise your number. And number three, put payments on auto pay. Create an account for all your bills to pay online and set up for minimum payment so that you don't forget. You don't want to see that big drop in credit score because you got a 30-day late on a credit card and you forgot because uh, you had to pay it paid off and there was an annual fee. Here's a bonus tip. Experts recommend you monitor your credit. Go to annualcreditreport.com. And as fast as babies grow, their clothes don't stick around for long. What if you could just toss that outgrown onesie in the compost? With H&M's new line of baby clothes for newborns, you can. Clothes are made from organic cotton. They're 100% biodegradable. So there's no buttons or metal trim either. Even the pigments used to print the designs are biodegradable. There are also 12 pieces to choose from. They'll be on sale in May. The new line is just one of a number of ways the company is working to make fashion more sustainable and keep clothes out of landfills. And the Bitcoin 2022 conference in Miami, Florida is in its second day today. And Denise Philzo is right there now to give us a taste of what it's like. To the moon. That's what everyone here at this event is hoping for Bitcoin. Welcome to Bitcoin Miami, what many people are calling the biggest Bitcoin conference in history. Let's check it out. I, just the energy is super high and everyone is super bullish. I spoke to the head of business development, Stephen Nash, and his team over at fintech company Drive Wealth. He showed me the pioneering technology that's shaking up the finance world. Our, our technology allows for any customer anywhere in the world uh, to trade stocks and Bitcoin through the most popular wallet. Besides investing, there's also new tech for Web3. At Emerge.io, they're building a new device that allows you to physically feel the metaverse. And this device in front of you enables this sense of touch using a force field technology, literally using sound energy. Sounds interesting. I had to give this emerging technology a try. The CEO and I decided to battle out in a match of might in virtual reality. As you can see here, we have 50 people in our booth right now wanting to demo the product. Besides new tech and the metaverse, how about prizes? Crypto exchange Bullish is awarding one whole Bitcoin to whoever wins the Ride the Bull Challenge. 
we're actually uh, basically a new type of exchange um, basically that uses an AMM or an automatic market maker, right? And we use something from DeFi called liquidity pools to actually create the liquidity for the market. Free Bitcoin? Count me in. Besides crypto firms, there are thousands of fans, including Victoria from Australia, who missed the conference last year. I, my brother's a Bitcoiner as well, so I can communicate and talk to him. We can have interesting conversations, but not so much with my friendship circles. But they're slowly catching on. The conference will continue here in Miami until Saturday. And Phil Zoe is live with us from Miami, Florida. Phil, it looks like you're enjoying yourself there. I'm enjoying myself a lot, Paul. That's right. We're live right here in Miami Beach, right outside the convention center, where the biggest Bitcoin gathering across the globe and in history is taking place. What do you have planned? This is amazing right now. We have a lot to look forward to. Uh, the second day is just winding down, but we're only halfway through. This is a four-day event, and tomorrow a lot of more prominent speakers will be taking the stage, including Nick Carter and execs from Cointracker, Mike Novogratz. A lot to look forward to. I wish you were here, Paul. <laughs> we'll be there soon, Phil. Thank you, Phil Zo, Entity News. Appreciate it. That's the latest from the Entity Business Team. Myself, Paul Graney. You can still catch Entity Evening News. That's with Stephanie Cox at 6 10 p.m. Eastern. Follow me on Twitter, too, if you're there. For Entity Business, it's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.